Stitch, row by row, he carefully knits each piece into place. From Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank、you. 
is such a great way to praise the Lord. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. Long live the Queen of Sheba. Do you know anything about the new king of Israel? Solomon, Your Majesty? I believe that's his name, yes. What do you know about him? Only what I hear, Your Majesty. Mere rumors, probably. Why haven't you sent an envoy to Israel and found out all about this renowned Solomon? If it is the wish of Her Majesty, I shall do so. I wish to talk to the general of my army. Send him to me at once. Yes, Your Majesty. Do you know anything about the king of Israel? He's the son of David, who is the son of Jesse, who was the... Why doesn't someone do something around here without my telling them to? If my queen wishes it, I shall send spies immediately No, General. I myself will go to Jerusalem and see this supposedly wise and wealthy king. But Her Majesty must remember it's a long, dangerous journey to Jerusalem. I shall choose specially qualified men to go there at once and spy out the land. I shall go, General. Is that understood? Yes, Your Majesty. Prepare for the journey. Guards, soldiers, horsemen, chariots, the royal carriage for me to ride in. My personal safety and comfort is your responsibility, General. We leave in a fortnight. As Her Majesty wishes. Long live the Queen. Long live the Queen. Send the steward of my treasury in. Yes, Your Majesty. Do as I say and no arguments. I am taking gifts of rare and unusual spices, much gold and many precious stones to Solomon. Her Majesty's treasury Have is... Have all things ready to go in a fortnight. Yes, Your Majesty. May the Queen live forever. Is Her Majesty comfortable? Comfortable, though tired. When do we arive in Jerusalem? About mid-afternoon, Your Majesty. Do you believe all the things we have heard about Solomon? Well, Your Majesty, the nearer we get to Jerusalem, the more talk we hear of his wealth, his wisdom, power, and the great love his subjects have for him. Oh, it's impossible. It just can't be true. Solomon's father was a mere shepherd lad when he became king. Had he or Solomon gotten their wealth by exacting high taxes from the people, they would hate him. But they love him. Have you sent messengers ahead informing Solomon of our coming? Oh, yes, Your Majesty. And he has graciously offered the use of the guest wing of his famous palace for as long as Her Majesty wishes to remain in Jerusalem. Offering a stranger the use of his palace. He is an unusual king, all right. Her Majesty, Queen of Sheba, to see His Majesty Solomon, servant of the Most High God, King of Israel, and wise judge of God's people. Welcome to the court of Israel, Your Majesty. May Her Majesty stay here, be comfortable and enjoyable, and give you knowledge of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who reigneth over the universe. Greetings, great, wise, and mighty ruler of Israel. I am come to learn of the source of His Majesty's obvious wealth, power, and wisdom. The God of Israel, the one and only living God, is the source of all things good. So perhaps if Her Majesty desires, first I shall show her the temple to our God, built atop Mount Moriah. Delighted, Your Majesty. 
is said that you have over 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horsemen, and many hundreds of horses. Come, my queen, and I shall show them to you. Must you leave for your own country so soon, your majesty? The wise King Solomon has shown me much during the many days of my visit here. I am impressed and I have profited greatly, both with pleasure and with a better understanding of many things, especially those things concerning matters of religion. His Majesty will surely be hearing from me again and again. Her Majesty's generosity and understanding is exceeded only by her beauty. And now the royal guards will accompany you to the border of your own land. Farewell, Queen of Sheba. Farewell, King of Israel and wise man of the earth. We shall meet again. Long live the king. Long live the queen. Much pleasure and great power to her majesty. Her majesty is quiet this morning. Ill, perhaps, or despondent? No, Roselle. I merely reflect upon the many things I witnessed at the court of Solomon, king of Israel. Is his majesty as wise as they say? Much, much wiser than mere words can ever convey. Really? All the kings of the world visit him to learn of his wisdom, and like myself, take rich gifts to him. This, together with his regular yearly income from tribute, makes him the most wealthy man on earth. His yearly income is somewhere around $20 million. Silver in Jerusalem is as plentiful as rocks. He has two fleets of ships, one in the Mediterranean Sea and one in the Red Sea. He has 1,400, 1,400, mind you, chariots. He has an army of 12,000 men doing nothing but taking care of his horses, the number of which no one seems to know. And his throne, his throne is made of ivory, overlaid with pure gold. His plates and goblets and eating vessels are made of pure gold. No wonder the kings and great men of the world would beat a path to his door. Actually, I I haven't even begun to tell you the most wonderful things of all about Solomon. First, I questioned him about everything I could think of. Things that puzzled the great and wise men of the world. He knew the answers as easily as I know the palm of my hand. The stars, animals, the air we breathe, water, history... He knew the answers to them all. Believe it or not, he knows many of the stars in the heavens by name and told me all about them. Wonderful. I could discover no subject that he had not studied and learned thoroughly. And he told me about his God. How could one man know so much? I asked myself that same question. But as Solomon showed me around and talked, I began slowly to understand the source of his great knowledge and wealth and power. It began when he showed me the temple they have built on the very summit of Mount Moriah. Beautiful. Nothing like it in all the world. There is no idol in that temple, no images, only the invisible presence of their God. A God whose dwelling place is in the heavens. He is a living God, actually lives. Think of it. God lives, Your Majesty. The true God does. The God of Israel. He created all things. It's all-powerful, all-knowing. To obey and love and worship that God is the beginning of wisdom, power, and judgment. Solomon worships, loves, and obeys that God. That is the source of all that he has, his wisdom, his power, and understanding. 
not only in this world as the worshiper of their God have all the things I have mentioned, plus peace and happiness, but in the world to come, too. It would seem, Your Majesty, that one would be foolish not to worship and obey such a God. True, true. And I, I'm going to worship him, the one and only living God right now. I want peace and quiet and happiness here, as well as in the world to come. With Her Majesty's permission, I too shall worship this God. That would make me very happy. Blessed be the Lord God, which delighteth in Solomon, and in all those who love and worship him. continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to add these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. voice recorder for health class. Teacher wants us to record what we do each day to help make us healthy. Well, today, I went to church. I know, I know. Everyone thinks you get healthy because you eat the right foods or do the right exercises or drink lots of water. Yes, all those things are important, but I've discovered that going to church helps me be healthy too. How? When I go to church, I enjoy all the great music. The organ, the piano, people singing beautiful songs. They're all so peaceful to me. They make me relax and think about God and nature and stuff. When I'm sitting in church or singing with the congregation, I stop worrying about school and homework or about what someone has done to make me mad. Also, I like hearing stories from the Bible. It makes my life seem pretty good. I don't have lions waiting to eat me like Daniel did. I don't have a giant wanting to kill me like David did. And I don't have a bunch of people sneaking around trying to crucify me like Jesus did. 
makes me more satisfied with what I have instead of wanting what everyone else has. Finally, I like reading my Bible. Yes, I know, a lot of the Bible is kind of hard to understand. But when I read verses and say Psalms or Proverbs, or when I read what Jesus said about loving people and helping those in need, I get some good ideas. His words teach me how to be kind and forgiving and how to stay out of trouble. My Sabbath rest helps me stay healthy all week long. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, He established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story shows you how great it is to have a pet and how sad it can be when a pet disappears. While Jenny and her friend Natalie search for clues about what happened to Butterscotch, Jenny learns some important lessons about forgiveness. Chapter 6, The Invisible Cat. Now behave yourself, Shorty, Mrs. Wallace said as she opened the car door. Jenny, hold on to his leash. Jenny held on as they walked toward the door of the Ryan's house. Tevin yanked the door open as they got near. So there you are, Shorty, he said. Shorty went crazy. He jumped up and barked and almost strangled himself on the leash. Finally, he jerked loose and ran into the house, barking at the top of his lungs. Looks like he's happy to be home, 
Tevin's dad called from inside. Thanks for bringing him back. Did you ever find the cat? No, Mrs. Wallace answered, but we haven't given up hope. As she spoke, Shorty raced back out the door and around the house. I guess we'd better go. See you later. Dumb dog, Jenny mumbled as they walked toward the car. He just got home and now he's going to get lost again. As they drove away, Jenny saw Shorty scratching at the door of an old shed that stood in the backyard. Dumb dog, she said again. It's not fair that they get Shorty back and Butterscotch is still gone. The next day after school, Jenny set her books on the desk in her room. The empty spot on the wall where she was going to hang Butterscotch's blue ribbon caught her eye. She stared at it for a few minutes. Maybe I should just put the calendar and poster back up, she thought. Maybe I should just give up. Then she shook her head. No, I'm not giving up. There's still time for Butterscotch to come back before family day and win the blue ribbon. Jenny heard a knock on the front door, followed by the sound of her mother's voice. Jenny, Natalie's here. Natalie, what is she doing here? Hi, I didn't know you were coming over. I had an idea when I got home. I wrote out all the clues that we found about Butterscotch. Let's pretend we're real detectives and see if we can figure out what happened to her. Jenny shrugged. Okay. Both girls stared at the paper Natalie held. The first thing Natalie had written was, Number one, cat tracks jumped toward driveway. But we don't really know if that's a clue, Jenny pointed out. She could have been chasing grasshoppers. The next clue was, Number two, Mrs. Norton saw Shorty, but not Butterscotch. Maybe Mrs. Norton didn't have her glasses on, Jenny suggested, or maybe she just can't see in the dark. Then how did she see Shorty, Natalie demanded, and what about number three? Number three, a big yellow truck almost hit the animals. The driver got out, then got in and drove away without speaking to anyone. The driver could have just stopped to be sure the animals weren't hurt, Jenny pointed out. Then why did he or she drive away so fast, Natalie asked. Jenny didn't have an answer. They looked at the next clue. Number four, butterscotch has not been seen around the neighborhood. So what does that mean, Jenny asked. That maybe the truck driver took her away. Don't you think she'd come back if she was around here? Well, yes, if she could, Jenny admitted. So the driver must have taken her. Natalie had another question. Why would the driver take butterscotch and not take Shorty? Oh, please, Jenny snorted. Butterscotch is a beautiful creature. Shorty is just a dog. So how do we find that truck? Natalie shrugged. It's out there somewhere. Let's go walk around and look for it. After telling Jenny's mom, the girls headed down the street. Wait, Jenny said as they came to a corner. This is where Butterscotch was running when the truck stopped. Are there skid marks in the street? Natalie asked. Both girls looked both ways, then walked out past the stop sign. Natalie pointed to a pair of short so- short mm, let me do that again. Natalie pointed to a pair of short black ribbons on the street. Those must be them. Let me show you what happened, Jenny said. I could see Shorty running down the sidewalk over here. She moved to that side of the intersection. Then, just as the truck came roaring up, Shorty dashed out, like this. Jenny rushed to the middle of the street. Then the truck, screech! Jenny and Natalie jumped at the sound of tires skidding behind them. Jenny spun around to see a big yellow truck. A woman stuck her head out of the open window on the driver's side. Are you girls crazy? Get out of the street before someone runs over you. Natalie grabbed Jenny's arm. That's her, she said. That's the truck. Jenny stepped over to the driver's side. I'm very sorry, she said. We were trying to figure out what happened to my cat. A dog chased her down the street last week, and a big yellow truck like yours almost hit her. The driver frowned. You say this was a cat? A golden cat, Jenny added. Did you see it? 
The driver shook her head. I almost hit a little dog here last week. The crazy thing ran right out in front of me, like you just did. I stopped to see if I had hit it, but it was gone. Jenny nodded excitedly. But what about the cat? What happened to the cat? I didn't see any cat, the driver said. Just that dog. And I hope I don't see it again. I have to go. Good luck with the cat. As the truck rumbled away, Jenny slumped down to the sidewalk. Another dead end, she moaned. Now we'll never find butterscotch. But Natalie just stood there and smiled. Wait a minute, she said. I don't think that was a dead end at all. Jenny looked up. What are you talking about? She didn't even see butterscotch. All she saw was that dumb dog, Shorty. Exactly, Natalie said. Remember, that's the same thing Mrs. Norton said. She saw a dog, but not a cat. Jenny stomped her foot. Butterscotch isn't invisible. Why didn't anyone see her? What if she didn't run down the street? Now Jenny was really confused. Then what did she do? Natalie smiled. Let's go back to the scene of the crime. The story you have heard today is a chapter of The Shoebox Kids, Book 3, Jenny's Catnapped Cat, written by Celeste Perino-Walker, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come, please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.